Turn in your Bibles to Exodus 5.1. Exodus 5.1. And the youth ministry is uh, very close to our family's heart. We've done it for many, 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 many years. So, and a lot of folks give of their time and energy and their money to be with the youth. I can look on this audience and see uh, uh, 50 to 100 people who've been involved in it through the years. Exodus 5.1. And we'll do 5.1 first. And afterwards Moses and Aaron went and told Pharaoh, Thus saith the Lord God of Israel, Let my people go, that ye may hold a feast unto me in the wilderness. Verse 2. And Pharaoh said, Who is the Lord, that I should obey his voice, to let Israel go? I know not the Lord, neither will I let Israel go. Let's pray. Dear Heavenly Father, as we come to you this morning, we think of these words and verses and the story that you gave me. Father, pray that you'd calm my spirit, soften my heart, guide and direct our thoughts. Matter of fact, Lord, soften all our hearts. We've seen all those teenagers and we see the camps and all the wonderful things you do for us. Oh God, thank you for working in our lives. Thank you for working in the young and the old. So Father, be with us today and bless this message. Put us behind the cross. I pray, Father, the Holy Spirit would do its work and like it always does, touches our hearts. Help me not to muff it up, God, with man, manful thoughts. So be with us today and bless all that's said and done for your glory and honor. We ask this in Jesus' precious name. Amen. In verse 2 it says, And Pharaoh said, Who is the Lord? That was his first mistake. His second mistake was they said that I should obey his voice. 170 pharaohs in Egypt, 3,000 years from Ramses to um, King Tut to Cleopatra, Tutankhamun is his name. A lot of stuff. He reigned for 67 years. Ramses was a very power, one of the most powerful men in the world. Pharaoh got his status to be as a god. People thought him as a god. Egyptian had many gods. They built great rooms, the pyramids. They built every statue. They carved uh, creatures in living rocks. They built they had the city of the dead, and they built big cities. They built the great Sphinx and the Karnak Temple and the Luxor Temple and the city of the dead. Every great engineering feat, they passed from great dams and great buildings with basic tools. They built everything, and they were a nation to be reckoned with. Egyptians believed in the afterlife. They counted in the afterlife. Actually, the, the Egyptians thought that the afterlife was better than their life. So they didn't really think about death, they thought about the afterlife. Because that's what they believed for thousands of years. They believed they had the key to afterlife. They believed they had, they had great burial grounds with great wealth. It had segued into the pyramids. And the pharaohs, when they were buried, they were buried with their court of people, their wives, or wife, their riches, their dogs, their food, their, their chariots, their furniture, and many things, their jewelries, and vast amounts of gold. See, they thought that they needed these things to go into the afterlife. Even in the great temples, they would build these giant ladders so they could climb out to be God. And they built all these traps so people couldn't rob them and break into the temples only, and these uh, uh, pyramids only to know that it had great robbery as times went by. 
what's called the nation's project to build these great pyramids. They mummified themselves, and they got so good at it, they would mummify the, the pharaoh, and they would take his organs out and mummify him and put him in little carrying little compartments so that he could use his, his organs when he went into the afterlife. They were technologically advanced. And Pharaoh said, Who is the Lord that I should obey his voice? God sent the plagues to mock their gods, the story that we all know. When I was a little boy, we watched the Ten Commandments. How neat that was. The water turned to blood, the lice, the flies, the pestilence, the boils, the hell, the locusts, the darkness, and the death of the firstborn. One Pharaoh got so caught up in the sun god, he got did away with all the other gods and just did the sun god. And uh, Egypt didn't like that. And that's one reason God sent all these plagues to mock these gods. But you think about sending a plague of darkness for three days. Now, it was light in the land of Goshen, but all of Egypt had a darkness for three days, and it said you could feel it. To tell them that their gods mean nothing. Trying to get Pharaoh's attention. Egyptians thought gold was the flesh of gods. And how did they get that way? How did, because through thousands of years, these pharaohs ruled, and they didn't have a god, and they were paganistic. And Pharaoh would have listened if Pharaoh would have listened. But remember on uh, Exodus 2.15, Pharaoh just recently before that sought to kill Moses' life. So Moses, when he showed up on the scene, Pharaoh didn't like him. And there is some madness to this thought, so pay, track with me if you would. Pharaoh didn't like him, tried to kill him, he didn't kill him. Ramses was the second le- uh, leader in the 19th dynasty, 3,100 years of superpower until Andres, Alexander the Great conquered him in 332 B.C. But 31 years they had a kingdom. They had 4,000 miles of the Nile River. And they had towns and places and everything. They had dominance and cities and everything. And what they would do with Pharaoh every day, they would take and bathe him and dress him up and make him look clean and special because they wanted everybody to believe that he was a god. And the Nile River was such a, a, a treasure choose, trose. Of every time the Nile River every year would flood, except for one big year, it would flood and it would bring this silt onto the banks of the Nile River. And they would take the silt and put it in their fields and, and it would cause their crops to grow and natural fertilization. So all those 4,000 miles of that Nile River and Egyptian civilization grew and grew and grew and grew and grew. And they were strong and strong and strong. Not only were they a superpower, but they were great in their agriculture. Pharaoh had it all. Pharaoh took hundreds of thousands of slaves from neighboring countries. No one could oppose him. And in Exodus 5, 2, it says, And Pharaoh said, Who is the Lord that I should obey his voice? This morning I want to take a little liberty uh, to say a few things. I would appreciate some patience here. Remember, Moses and Pharaoh did not like each other. And Pharaoh came to Moses, came to him and said, Hey, I, I represent the old living God, the God. And Pharaoh, who's your God? And this is what's going to happen. And you need to do this, Pharaoh. And, 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 and let us remember this. God hardened Pharaoh's heart in the beginning to get him to, Who are you? You're the guy who's trying to kill. I want to make some analogies. Pharaoh, I did my research. 
just didn't come up with this. Pharaoh had a chariot. At best, that chariot would go 25 miles an hour. On a big day, it might go 50 to 75 miles. But he was, you know, the dust, the dirt, the wind, the bugs, the flies. I don't know if you've ever went 25 miles an hour on anything. Uh, you like, you get bugs in your face. Pop, 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 pop. Or even anything big. Wow, it hits. He wasn't, he was subject to all that, even if he was a god. But Americans, we have cars. If you drive an average of 60 miles an hour, which nobody drives 60 miles an hour, in eight hours you can go 480 miles. When we get in our cars, we have air conditioning, we have heated seats, cooled seats, protecting from the elements. I mean windshield wipers. You don't think windshield wipers are a big deal. When our first car didn't have windshield wipers. <laughs> so when we go, we get down the road, and we get out and go, <laughs> and tell if we go again. If you don't have windshield wipers, they're a big deal. And the GPS, and now kids have videos and DVDs and entertainments. I'll see kids going on. They all got screens, and they're watching it going down the TV, down the road at 80 miles an hour, just having a grand old time. Well, Pharaoh never had that. Pharaoh had large houses and large ceilings. He had no air conditioning. He was poor. He didn't need heat. He was acceptable to storms and sandstorms and blowing winds and all types of situations. They did, they did have baths. But they didn't have no refrigeration. They were limited to the food in the area. They had no electricity, no lights. They had Persian carpets, and that's about it. The only comfort, they had slaves to bring it to them. And here's the deal. Tutankhamun, King Tut, the boy king, he died at 19 years old from a wound in his leg from infection. See, they don't have what we have. I mean, we go to the hospital, they can take out your heart. They can do lungs. They can do all kinds of things. Americans have doors, windows, blinds, A.C., heating, sinks, bathrooms, baths, showers, steam rooms, hot tubs. And I'm going to say this, not to freak you out, but we are so blessed that our human waste is automatically taken away from our house. <laughs> and if you don't think that's a big deal, it is. That alone would have been a tough deal. They couldn't get away from that smell and that stitch. But we can. We have stoves, refrigerator, gas, landscaping, street lights, sidewalks. We put fertilizer on our lawns to grow. We pay people to mow it. We have landscaping. Sometimes my wife, buy, well, she bought me a lot of shirts. We don't buy no shirts anymore because we're old. But I have some shirts when you put them on. You got them? And they feel like, ooh, that shirt feels good. <laughs> Anybody got any of those shirts? Oh, come on, somebody's got them. And you put them on, you go, I don't want to really take this off. And the sad part, I have a, a lot of them, but I've outgrown a few of them. <laughs> so that's, I keep them there for a, for a monument to someday, Kendall, you can put on those nice shirts if you just lose some weight. And there's a ton of them. And someday I'm going to get there. Maybe. But I don't want to take them off. We're protected from the elements, from the hot and the cold. We can refrigerate. We can get salmon from Alaska, lobsters from Boston, giant shrimp from Mexico. We can pull up to the hamburgers and get a McDonald's C. And I like the McDonald's C. Within five minutes, you'll have that. You can get a, a banana split from Dairy Queen. I got one the other day. 590 calories. I said, I can do that. That's 590 calories. That's nothing. Because my wife walks me every morning. It's worth a banana split. And she got one too. 
Wins living life large, man. Air-conditioned truck, banana splits, and a stupid dog in the back. We can get cream brulee or bread pudding or any fancy dessert anywhere. We have a police force, paramedics, hospitals, military to protection, to protect us. We can travel across the world in one day. We have cruise ships and inclusive resorts. And here's my point. I honestly believe Americans live better than Pharaoh. We really do, guys. He had big halls and rooms, but he wouldn't have no air conditioning or soft seats. Now, he might have had a soft seat, but not his constituents. So think about this for a minute. Really, you live better than King Pharaoh. I mean, you can call these Ubers or DoorDash. Don't bring food to your door. <laughs> he could have that, but he had a servant. And a servant went and get it, and they'd fix it for him, and they brought it. And if he didn't like it, he'd kill him. <laughs> Next time someone brings something to your door, hey, let me taste it first. Because <laughs> if I don't like it, you're done. <laughs> Zoom, they're out of there. Americans live better than Pharaoh. Americans can be snobbish, entitled, arrogant and prideful and unthankful. God, Pharaoh said to Moses nine times, I will not let, God said, let my people go nine times. And he said, no. And you know why I did it? This is the thought of my message. He hardened his heart. Today, for a short time, I want you to think about your heart. And if nobody gets anything out of this message, it's for me. So I mean, he's being a little harsh. It's for me. Because I had to pray right before I came here. I said, Lord, as I've been thinking about this, Lord, soften my heart. Because when you go, hey, brother, how you doing? Or you're with somebody, and oh, everything's great. But if that brother has a hardened heart, you don't know that. And I'm telling you, the hardened heart took down country of Egypt really Pharaoh did not die in the flood but all his people did it says in Hebrews 4 7 again he limiteth a certain day saying in David today after so long of a time as it is said today if ye will hear my voice harden not your hearts I think Christians can be unfruitful when they harden their hearts and the sad thing is, uh, you can follow a Christian that doesn't have any big sin in his life, and he might be, seem to be walking with God and, and have a great ministry and do great things, and he can do things. But you know you can follow a man who has a hardened heart, and he can follow, walk you right off the cliff. Because we look nice, we dress nice, we talk nice, we have nice lives. But if we harden our hearts, as Pharaoh did. See, God didn't have to send, he sent the plagues, I get it. But God didn't have to do nothing but harden a man's heart. It says this in Proverbs 4.23. Keep thy heart with all diligence. Okay, if God tells us to keep our heart with all diligence, with all diligence, it's something that needs to be talked about. It's something that needs to be thought about. It's something to be prayed about. It's something to be looked at. Keep thy heart with all diligence, and it says, for out of it are the issues of life. So what do we do? God, do I have a hard heart? 
I've had a hard heart before. Example. This is going to hurt. Listening to a preacher you don't like. Yeah, right now. <laughs> Matter of fact, right now. Listening to someone over the pulpit that you don't like. Well, you, you read our minds, brother. Remember, Pharaoh did not like Moses, so he sought not to listen to him. But Pharaoh had a message from God, and he didn't want to listen to him. In the past, I've listened to pastors and preachers that I personally don't care for. And a lot of times pastors would say, well, if you don't like them, don't come. I get that. If you don't like them, don't come. I get that. He said, just don't come. And I've listened to pastors that you hear things about and you know that they do or how they believe and you, 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 you come up with this, this thought of going, there's no reason I like him. And then they get up here and start preaching and teaching and then you're, God's saying, you need to listen to that man. You need to listen to that man. I'm not going to listen to that man because I don't like him. Well, what you're doing is you're building this hard heart against what God's trying to tell you. And Christianity today, we're, 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 we're fine connoisseurs of fine preaching. Hmm, that doesn't smell or taste like a fine preaching to me. Hmm, no, 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 no. He's the barbarian. That's a fact. But what if the guy you don't like, that message is for you? I preached Wednesday night and this guy left and he texts me and he's a good friend of mine. He says, hey brother, I didn't walk out. I had an emergency and he told me what it was about. And I go, I go, well, you know what? I'm glad you said that because I'm going to preach on this on Sunday, so don't think I'm preaching to you. And I will say this because I want to say this. I preached to the ears and been here, and one time these couple knew I was preaching. They stood up and they walked out. So be it. Not only put draggers in my heart, but the thing is, that's not the issue. The issue is those people sitting right around you, seeing you not like Brother Doty and walk out. A, you're a stumbling block. That's a fact. Now, if you get sick and need to leave or something, so be it. But I'm just telling him and his wife got up and walked out. You're a stumbling block. And B, what if the message was for them? The arrogance of saying. I don't know if you ever preached before. It's sort of a drag. You got to walk with God. You got to talk to God. You got to be with God. And your wife goes, what's wrong? You're not acting normal. Me, not normal. It's a fact. Now, after this message, life's good because I don't have to preach tonight. We're going to dine. <laughs> but what if that message is for you? What you're saying to God, go, man, you're shortchanging yourself. I've said this before. Pastor preached a big message over in that building where there was not very many, you know, that building, not many people about pornography and cheating on your wife and all this stuff. And I had a problem with one of the brethren. I couldn't get over it. And nobody's going to come forward in a small, about pornography, cheating on your wife, all that stuff. No one's coming forward. God says, Kendall, you're going forward. I go, I'm not going forward, Lord. You're going forward. I go, I am not going forward. I know it psych sounds psychic, but I'm having this conversation with God. He goes, if you don't go forward, I'll never bless you the rest of your life. Ugh! They're all going to think I'm a pervert. He goes, yeah, you need some humility, fatso. I was less fat over there. Get over there, fatso. So I went down there. 
I prayed and cried. Got up and went to my seat. God said, yeah. Well, Kendall, that's what you needed. I'll never forget that as long as I live. Because I got all caught up about me and what people think. Instead of God and what he thinks. I understand some people don't come to reap church for reasons and they can't be here. I get all that. But to sit in the congregation and walk out because the guy preaching you don't like. Remember this. God said, if you cause one of my little ones to stumble, because they might not like me either. And you left and they go, I knew he wasn't real. <laughs> I had a guy say that to me. I know you're not real. What do you want me to be? But it was the message for you. Be careful you're not a connoisseur of fine preaching. <laughs> and let's be honest. I've been here 41 years. You don't think I've wanted to walk out 41 years and someone's preaching that I don't like what they're saying? Yes, I've wanted to walk out. Have I had impure thoughts of who's preaching up here? Yes, I have. Have I told money? No, I'm just telling you right now. <laughs> Because I'm a human being. But in that process, God's saying, Ken, what are you doing? That guy, and now that I've preached, that guy's message, he cried, he prayed, he, he spent hours on his message, he thought. He came up with the message and he threw it out, then he came up with it and he threw it out, and he came up with it and threw it out, and then he finally did that. Yet it's a personal struggle, Lord. What do you want me to say to these people? He told, tell them about me and how great I am. And how great you're not. Jeremiah says, but if they will not obey, I will utterly pluck and destroy that nation, saith the Lord. Oh, sorry. My message today is to obey or not to obey. He asked me this morning. I didn't forget. I thought, I don't know what the message name is. I just don't even want to be up there. To obey or not to obey. To be or not to be. That is the question. Turn your Bibles to Exodus 14. And here's the moral of the story. This is the moral of the story. Easy, simple message. I'll get you out in time. Exodus 14, 26. Everybody knows the story of Pharaoh. Everybody's seen the Ten Commandments of Charlton Heston. I still think it's a really good show. I love it every time I see it. Makes me feel great about God. I like to see God always win. I like to see God beat the bad guys. I like to see God's chosen people follow him. I like to see God intermingle with people. I like to see people intermingle with God. I like to see God have victory in people's lives. I mean, you think about being a slave for 400 years and see how your family operates. Well, we're going to the mosh pits today to bake bricks. And then a savior, a guy pulls up and God hears their cry and takes them out of there. That's another story for another day. Exodus 14, 26, and the Lord said unto Moses, Speak, no, stretch out thy hand over the sea, that the waters may come again upon the Egyptians and their chariots upon their horsemen. You've all seen the movie or your thoughts. It was dry. Israel was on the banks, a million of them. Here come the horses through the sea. I can't believe they had the guts to go through it. Here they come. And Moses lifts up his hands, and God killed them all. 
27, And Moses stretched forth his hand over the sea, and the sea returned to its strength. When the morning appeared, and the Lord and the Egyptians fled against it, and the Lord overthrew the Egyptians in the midst of the sea. See, God doesn't have to use anything special. God uses nature or creation to do his bidding all day long. Verse 28. And the waters returned and covered the chariots and the horsemen and the host of Pharaoh. And it came into the sea after them. And there remained not so much as one of them. They all died. And the brave Pharaoh, is what, what I've studied, said he didn't go in. He sat there and sent his men into the sea. And then, because he had a hard heart, I don't know how many men died in that sea, but there were a bunch of them. And the seas came and swallowed all the men. And Pharaoh had to watch all his men. And he had friends there scream and die and be drowned right in front of them. And he thought, you know, I should have let those people go. Why didn't I just let him go? There was only a million of them, and he had dominance over every nation. There was just about a million of them, they say. I could have let the, the land, and I would have got the land of Goshen back, the best land. I could have let him go. Why didn't I just let the people go? Oh, the God thing. I'm a God. Now, verse 29. But the children of Israel walked upon dry land in the midst of the sea, and the waters were all around on the, wa- the waters were all were a wall unto them and their right hands and their left hand and their left. And the Lord saved Israel that day out of the land of the Egyptians. And Israel saw the Egyptians dead upon the seashore. You know, God's got it all in control, folks. All he's asking you to do is be a Christian. And I'm going to ask you too is this, as I have in the past of my life, hardened my heart. So anything coming into me, family, words, people, things, they have a tendency to hit me and fall off because I don't listen to them. And a hard heart can be from a family member. I have a big family. They can make you mad like that. We have friends in this church, a brother Rome said it last night, very eloquently, he said, We are a family, he said, and if we don't pray for each other, no one will pray for us. That is so true. But if you have a hardened heart, you're not going to pray for those people. And you know, when you go to church with someone for 40 years, I'm sure I probably made every one of you mad one time or another. There's no doubt in my life. But I'm telling you, what's that to anybody? Someone could make you so mad in this church and go, oh, yeah, well, well, where's your, soften your heart. A soft answer turned out to weigh wrath. God hardened Pharaoh's heart and killed thousands and thousands and thousands of Egyptians. Just let alone Egyptians, the Egyptians of the firstborn alone. I made a mistake the other day. I got to clear it up. I told all of you preaching Wednesday night, Danny was my firstborn. Danny was not my firstborn. Abigail Kate was. My wife goes, Kendall, what kind of person are you? I thought, oh, she was in the audience. Abigail Kate was my firstborn, and I was in a conference in Toledo, and I was in big trouble. Because <laughs> she was in a conference in Toledo, and we had our first firstborn. Thanks a lot, Kendall. 
she didn't have a soft heart that day. But in Exodus 14, 31, it says this, And Israel saw the great works which the Lord did upon the Egyptians. And the people feared the Lord and believed the God and his servant Moses. You know, guys, preachers, teachers, Sunday school teachers, I realize we don't ask for the job, but we end up there for some reason. I, end up, I realize we, we're in, talk, in front of talking to people, and sometimes we make some real serious mistakes. We don't say the right thing at the right time. But I'm telling you what, if God gives you a message and gives a man a message, you have to preach it and teach it like it's real. And I'm telling you today, I've had a hardened heart before, and it doesn't work good because people die when you have a hardened heart. Pharaoh's army died because he had a hardened heart. You can lead your Christian brother or sister off a cliff if you have a hardened heart. You might have the best intentions in the world, but because you have a hardened heart, you are not listening to God, and you're just playing the Christian role, walking down the street, and you are not living like you should. So this hardened heart is a big deal. That's why I came up with something that is a little juvenile. I do it for the younger people in this class. And I might just eat these. <laughs> Holy Spirit, right? Your heart. You. This is a Hershey's chocolate bar. I bought one that's bigger than most because I might have to eat it. But when you take apart the wrapper, which I call the Holy Spirit, you get right to the chocolate, right? And man, if you don't eat it, it's going to be a mess, right? So life's good, right? This is the guy who has a soft heart. Now, I picked peanut M&Ms because I like them better than regular M&Ms. So if I thought I had to eat these, I want to buy these. And I bought a big bag, not a small bag. Because why, why waste God's money, right? <laughs> That's back. But the peanut M&Ms is this. Yeah, it's scrumptious, and they're good. But they have a hard shell around them. Yeah, you can open the bag, but you can't get to the chocolate because of the hard shell. Now, I know some genius thought of that and made a billion dollars, and yes, I thoroughly enjoy them. Matter of fact, Rich bought a big cabin, these to the cabin the other day, and we ate most of them. What kind of man brings that many M&Ms to a fat guy? Another happy fat guy, okay. But I'm telling you this, you don't want to be this Christian. You don't want to have a hard heart or hard shell around you. Yeah, you know what? These are user-friendly. And these protect you from those Christians who say stupid things at a church. I hear that. You believe what so-and-so said to me at church? Yeah, I said, he's an idiot. Yeah, but he shouldn't have said it. Well, he's an idiot. I know. He's an idiot. Oh, he's an idiot. Let it go. I mean, sometimes when we're put on the spot and people say something, you go, we say the wrong thing. Don't be one of these guys. Be one of these guys. Really? And you think, how ridiculous, but it proves the point so vividly. Hard heart, soft heart. God can use your heart for good or for bad. What about us? It says this. You guys can get out early. In Psalms, it says 26.2, it says, I'll just read this. Examine me, O God, and prove me. Try my reins and my brain. Try my reins 
and my heart. It says, search me, O God. Know my heart. Try me and know my thoughts. Search me, O God. Try me. Know my heart, my thoughts. Because your thoughts can harden your heart if you have a bad thought. They made a cartoon years ago about the Grinch. Had a small heart. On Christmas Day, he got a big heart. No difference in Christians. If you want to stay in your own little poutful attitude and mad because someone said something to you or, heaven forbid, they didn't call you or consider you, and have that, well, just do that. And see where that gets you. The biggest miracle in the world is when I come to church and there's someone's preaching, I go, oh, what are they going to have to say? And God just slays me. I think, oh, Lord, you used him to talk to me? Thank you, God. You used him? Yeah, I did, because I know you don't like him. Thank God you're listening. See, God talks to us, guys. In our own personal Bible reading, in our prayer. But when we come together as a family, sometimes we need a pep assembly. We really do spiritually. We're all, you, you know we're all on the same team. Right? And if any of you have played sports, that's a big deal. And I'm going to tell you right now, we are in the fourth quarter. And the score is tied. Now we will win, but that fourth quarter is a big deal. They wrote a book on it. That fourth quarter's real. And if you keep your hearts off, well, everybody around you, who cares? Well, wouldn't it be nice if you got right with God and you think, oh, Lord, and you gave it all to God and then the rapture happened. Boom! You know, that could happen. I brought this message to you because in my life of 62 years, there's been days where I've got a hardened heart about someone. There's been days when I've listened to someone in our church or my friendship about someone that increased my hardened heart about someone. If God tells you to love your enemies, do good to them that spitefully use you, lie to you, I don't want God to pass me by. Just like the death angel did on the firstborn, he passed by the people with the blood on the post. But I don't want God to come into this place and go, oh man, I'm going to bless these two wonderful men up here. But Kendall... Yeah, he's got a hard heart. You come to church Sunday morning, Sunday night, Wednesday night. You come to church and give your money and hang out and do all these things with God and for God and with other people. And you walk in, you have a hardened heart. You're saying, it's all in vain. It's all in vain. You're looking at the biggest offender. So God, try my heart. Because... We need to keep our heart with all diligence because out of it are the issues of life. You know, God talks about that balance. Oh, it's a sweet thing when you're balanced. But when you're unbalanced, this is not a sweet thing. So as you think about today in your heart, God ruined a whole country, a powerful country, from one man's heart. And if you're a family member, a father, granddad, mom, or child, your heart 
And your condition, your heart matters to the family. It really does. So think about it today. Is that me? Have I had that hardened heart for what reason or another? I've decided to soften my heart towards all things. Because I've got to see a couple of my friends not do very well. Because they don't have the grace of God that I have. So think about that today as we pray. Lord, I Father, pray for today. I Father, pray that you would be with us and guide and direct us. I think of the heart, and I think, Lord, that uh, it can be deceitfully wicked. Who can know it? God, I realize there's something in us, Father, that can go one way or another. I Father, pray for all these young folks here today, moms and dads, grandfathers, children. Lord, that you might work on their heart today and help them, Father, with whatever they're dealing with. I don't care what it is, Lord. Help us to have that soft, pliable heart toward the Spirit of God and for the things of God, for the brothers and sisters of God, and actually for the lost. May we have a heart for the lost, Lord. And Father, we'll give it all to you and give it your praise. We thank this in Jesus' name. Amen. Please turn in your songbooks to 494. <clears throat>
Would you come up and dismiss us in a word of prayer? Okay, let's go to Lord in prayer. Dear God, we thank you so much for this message we heard this morning. Lord, help us to forever and always have grace with one another. Lord, we thank you for your goodness to us in this country. Thank you to remind us that we're all on the same team. And God, we pray that you would help us to think of this throughout the week. And pray you dismiss us with your blessing. In Christ's name we pray. Amen.